Hello and welcome to another episode of the Punt Return Podcast, the first of 2019. I hope everybody had a happy new year and a Merry Christmas, including my uh, co-host, Daryl Dada. Daryl, how are we? Yeah, good thanks. Yeah, good Christmas. Lots of travelling around, some hot weather. Yeah. Um, and now back in Melbourne where it's currently boiling. So. Yeah, exactly. I think the entire eastern seaboard of Australia is just melting at the moment. Uh, very, very hot. Um, but on the opposite side of the world where uh, NFL playoffs are here and the stage has been set, um, a little bit cold, a little bit chilly, including a, uh, what should be a windy, you know, weathery, conditiony game in, uh, if that's even a word, but uh, in Chicago, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But yeah, the stage is set now. Uh, we have some really great games in week one for wildcard weekend. The Chiefs and Pats are the one and two seed in the AFC. The Saints and Rams are the one and two in the NFC. They have the bye in case anyone's been living under a rock and hasn't known that. Um, but you know, it's a, it's kind of been a interesting sort of right run to the finish. Obviously we didn't record in week 17, but, um, the defending champions now in the mix for the playoffs with the Vikings out, um, kind of adds a little bit of juice to what should be a wide open tournament. All six AFC. Um, and NFC, uh, sorry, all six AFC teams won between 10 and 12 games, which is a very strong field. And then, um, the teams that in the buyers in the NFC that, you know, they were far from dominant down the stretch. So I think if you look at this team, it wouldn't really surprise anyone if any of these teams, um, win Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. So, um, it's a, it's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be a fun 2019, that, um, with this, with these NFL playoffs. Um, but the last time we recorded was all the way back in, in last year. Um, was week 16 and we had a lock, our final lock of the year, um, under 45 in Buffalo, New England game. Um, that finished with 36 points. So he finished the season with a lock, um, lobbing, which was, which was great. Um, but how did you, how did you go in week 16? And did you have a bet in week 17? Did the model really like anything? Obviously we didn't, we didn't chat about that, but it's, it's always a funny week, week 17 with a lot of sort of quote unquote meaningless games. Yeah. I don't actually know is the short answer. <laughs> yep. I was always on holiday. I didn't pay too much attention to the NFL. Yeah, I must that's say. yeah. Weeks, um, apart from the Colts Titans game and and the Vikings Bears and the Eagles Redskins, the rest had just about zero meaning. Yeah, um, as I said, I think before we recorded the week sixteen one. Um, yeah, the last couple of weeks, as I I, think I said, like week thirteen, we kind of tail down towards the end of the season, and week sixteen, seventeen, both kind of pretty light weeks normally. Um, in terms of what I do, so times up well with Christmas and sort of not paying too much attention to it. But yep. um, yeah, so I think we recorded week sixteen. So yeah, we had that lock of the week, which is the winner. Um, otherwise, I think the early week model stuff didn't do brilliantly. So we had Carolina, um, which lost. Um, Indy minus nine, Detroit plus five and a half. Neither of those. Um, San Francisco pushed or one, possibly depending on what line you got. Yep. Um, and yeah. So a few decent games there, um, but no good results from kind of the model perspective. But I think the season, we ended pretty strong. Um, I haven't got the final results in front of me. We'll do that after kind of the playoffs are in the books. But um, I think it was generally a pretty good season for the model. Yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, all the money lines that you you guys have tipped up during the year that are, that are on big underdogs um, definitely would have uh, been great results for the, for the entire season. and. And you mentioned San Fran. They're very unlucky not to have a, to have another money line win there, um, which would have been three in a row for the model. Which uh, I thought they were quite unlucky there. So they finished the year quite strong. Uh, week sixteen, I, after going abysmal in week fourteen and fifteen, um, I finished uh, week sixteen five one and one. Um, so I had the under in that New England Buffalo game. I had the Giants um, plus ten, Minnesota minus five and a half. I had a push in the Cleveland Cincinnati total, but I. Since he had the best backdoor cover of, of all time, um, I couldn't believe that, but I'll, I'll, I'll claim it. Uh, Pittsburgh plus five and a half, and then my only loser was Miami um, laying an egg uh, at home against Jacksonville. So um, week 16 was very good. I did, I'm, I'm like you, I didn't have a single wager um, in week 17. Um, I had a, an emotional hedge where I, I backed the Titans, and that was about it, just so that uh, it was sort of a win-win scenario for me. Um, but the Colts won, so... Um, my heart, the winner there, not my wallet. Um, so yeah. I'll take that. Um, before yeah. before we get yeah, another into... week of Colts. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm keen to talk Colts football in a little bit. Um, before we do get into Wild Card Weekend, we should look at uh, the NFL futures now that, that the field's been narrowed down. I know you don't normally bet futures, but uh, do you see any value out there? Um, I, I noticed in in the doc you've highlighted a couple of teams, um, and that's more just the price being around where. 
your model and the SI projections have it as a percentage to win, to win the whole thing, I, yeah. I assume. Yeah, exactly. I mean, futures, I don't certainly don't bet them far in advance. I think we talked about it before, kind of with the credit betting um, block in Australia. But yep. um, as we kind of get closer into the playoffs, I do kind of, I don't mind sort of two, three week kind of futures. I think sometimes they present a bit of value. Sometimes, like we talked about this quite a bit during the World Cup, but futures markets don't accurately price kind of a team's route through the tournament. Yep. Um, so it can often open up some value there. Um, in terms of the prices we need, yeah, the, what, the closest ones, and I'm just going by the odds that we've kind of got in the dock here, but uh, I think we'd need 18 bucks on the Ravens, and I think there's a little bit of that out there somewhere. Yep. Um, we'd need 30 bucks for the Seahawks. I think you can get that in a few places. Um, and Eagles, I think we've got us needing $32, so there's potentially a bit of value there, but um, that's obviously a bit dependent on kind of Foles' status and the whole kind of quarterback situation for the yep. Eagles, which might be priced into that price a bit more than um, the model would be. Yeah, so he is playing, but we don't know how fit he is or how, you know, close to 100% he is. So um, I definitely think that's going to be a factor and we'll, and we'll find that out against the Bears. So, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of... Uh, with the futures now and the route to the playoffs, it just depends on how you feel about these games. I mean, if you're confident Philly can beat Chicago, then maybe you could take them at, at $34. Um, but, you know, if you kind of just think about their route and just work it out in your head, you Philly are $3 this week. What, what price will they be next week if they, say, play the Rams um, or the Saints? That'd be another $3. And then you kind of just work it out in your head and, and see if it does seem to add up to around that mark or it's a bit lower um, maybe there is a little bit of value. Um, for me, I've, I have a couple of teams. I just think the Patriots are still overlooked. I feel like having the buy is just massive, um, massive for them. Um, I know you said that you need $8. I think you can get $7.50, um, at some places out there. So I do think, um, just this time of the year, Bill Belichick's on a whole nother level and kind of the biggest game changer and advantage in the sport. Um, I like the Colts as well. I think, um, if you think they're going to win this week against, uh, against the Texans, they will then face the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are three and sixteen since uh, all-time in playoffs covering the spread. So um, they're not great. They haven't won a home playoff game since about nineteen ninety-three. Um, so you, you just kind of fancy the chances there, where that Colts price will come down. And if if they do beat the Chiefs, then you can kind of play out the rest of the field on the other side and and kind of hedge your bets that way and and, and do it that way. You just have to do some multiple bets to try and get around, you know, a, a good percentage uh, for the AFC to win the Super Bowl. So yeah. they're just a couple uh, of ways. Mind. Yeah. I don't mind the Patriots for sure. I think you may well get some eight bucks if you monitor betting exchanges and those kind of things. Yep. Um, the Colts, I'd probably want more like $35. Yeah, um, the, the the 26 isn't isn't great. Um, definitely shop around. I'm, I'm not taking anything less than 30s. Um, I think yeah. at Betfair you can get 30s. Um, so yeah, as you said, betting exchanges, but yeah, the 26 is a bit short. Um, but yeah, I just think whoever gets to play the Chiefs would like their chances next week, just given how bad their defense is and how bad sort of their record is at home. Um, they're one of the worst playoff teams of the last decade. So, um, I know that doesn't mean much now. It's a different team, but it's a mentality and they'll have a lot of pressure on them because of that record and everyone's going to speak about it all week. Um, for what it's worth. Yeah, a lot of their season record is also like with Kareem Hunt, right? And then. Yep. Obviously, you've got the changes in situation there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, they've got Eric Berry back as well. Their defense has been better the last couple of weeks. But, uh, you know, they've they've shown a little bit of vulnerability. So, you know, they can be beat. So um, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that next week as well. But let's, um, let's get into Wild Card Weekend. And before we do that, just a quick word from our sponsor. Looking for a bit of a leg up on the punt this weekend? Or you love your NFL, but you're not sure what the value is? Get a sneak peek with Stats Insider's free subscriptions with featured games each day to give you the boost over the bookmakers. Head to statsinsider.com.au and start your free trial today. Always gamble responsibly. Okay, before we get into those games, just a few little stats for wildcard weekend. Last season, uh, wild the wildcard team, so the fit, you know the fifth and sixth seeds, they went two and two straight up against the division winners, and they went four and zero against the spread. Um, home teams that close as fa- of favorites of two and a half points or less in wildcard games are just five and eleven against the spread all time, and only one and seven against the spread this century. And then, according to Mark Lawrence's playbook, playoff favorites of less than three points since 1980 are fifteen and thirty-five against the spread, 
Furthermore, playoff favorites of less than three points since 1980 that are facing a team with a better record, aka the Ravens, are three and twelve straight up, and two and thirteen against the spread. So, some things to consider there when looking at Wild Card Weekend. Um, if not, you just find them a little bit interesting, like I do. Um, but yeah, we've got a new slate of games, and and to kickstart the week, we've got the Indianapolis Colts, my beloved Indianapolis Colts. At Houston, Houston are one-point favorites now. It was one and a half yesterday. It's moved to flat one now. The total is 48 and a half, 49 at some books as well. Uh, Daryl, what do you like this week? Um, so, yeah, I like the under in that one. So, we make, we have this at 40, what is it, 44, 43, 44 total. So, I think there's some value on kind of the under 48 there. Um, you can get 49 in quite a few places, I think, at the moment. Um, yeah. Nothing really appeals on the side, I think. Everything is kind of well within the juice. We slightly lean Houston, but yeah, nothing that's um, notable. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I like under 48 and a half as well. Um, I do lean towards the Colts um, plus one, but at that point you may as well just take the money line um, and 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 go down that route. Um, so yeah, the Colts. I think they have the they have the edge in both DVOA and weighted DVOA over Houston, eighth versus eleventh, and fourth versus thirteenth. Um, they're five and one straight up the Colts and five zero and one against the spread in their last six road games against the Texans. Um, more to the under. Four of their last five games between these two teams have gone under, um, and the Texans have allowed the th- the third fewest points per home game this season with seventeen. And surprisingly, about the teams, the Colts that people don't realize about the Colts, they actually rank inside the top ten in DVOA on defense. Um, the weakness for both these teams are kind of in past defense DVOA. Um, Indy ranked 20th, Houston are 18th, but Houston, they're 28th in the NFL in passing yards allowed this season, India 16th. So uh, I think the Colts can can kind of get a little bit going through the air. I think he lucked through for 400 yards against them um, this year. That was more, that was at home, though. Um, but the Colts, they've allowed the fewest sacks this season, which bodes well for their matchup against Watt and Clowney and, and Merciless. And then the Texans, they've allowed the most. Um, but the Colts, they don't really have a great pass rush. But then when you look at the numbers of the last two meetings, um, they had uh, plenty of sacks. Um, I think they had 12 sacks against Watson in, in two games. So that's definitely something to note. So I do think uh, the Colts are the better team here. They've outplayed the Texans both meetings this season um, in yards per play. They were 5.8 to 5.5 in their loss against them in September, but then averaged uh, more than two yards per play against them in their win in Houston, so I do think uh, I do think the uh, Colts are the better team. That's why I'm going to take them getting at least a point, um, but I'll probably just lean towards them in the money line. Yep, that's fair. Are you going to bet that one, or is your heart cancelled out? Um, no, I'm probably going to bet it. Um, I'm, when it's the yeah. playoffs, I'll just I'll go in all in on the uh, the double um, elation slash heartbreak, um, <laughs> and just yeah. The good thing about being the first playoff game is that um if the once the Colts are eliminated I can just start to root for other teams. Um I really like the the, the Baltimore Chargers matchup. I I really wanted that to kind of be the you know Colts Colts aside, I really wanted that to be the AFC championship game because I do think they're the two best teams, most complete teams in the AFC and I also have both at quite big odds um from from uh, I think I backed them in March or February um, in 2018, so the fact that they're gonna, one's gonna be ruined, um, this week's not, not great, um, but yeah, so I'll just get to sit back and enjoy, but yeah, I'll, I'll go all in, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it's worth noting as well, I didn't realize with the total, we like the under, um, but over the last two seasons, playoff totals of 48 or more have gone over seven times and under just once, so, um, the NFL's become a bit more sort of offensive heavy, so it kind of backs up to that trend, but, um, I do think these two teams, I think their defenses are a bit overlooked, so um, I do like the under. I think that's probably the stronger play. Um, I'm just waiting probably till game day for the Colts price. You know, you might see some some big bets on the Houston team that pushes it back out to one and a half or even two um, on game day, so that that's something to monitor. But definitely I think getting on the total now, I think it's peaking at 49, and then it'll probably jump back down um, closer to closer to kickoff. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Seattle at Dallas. Second game. Uh, these are on Sunday Australian time, by the way. If you're watching, so Sunday football. It's great. Wake up. Bit of bit of NFL action, and then uh, you can just relax and watch some cricket um, a little bit later <laughs> in the afternoon. But Seattle at Dallas. Dallas are now two point favorites. It got down to one and a half. Back out to two. Totals forty two and a half. Seattle 
Um, you can get about two twenty for them, and Dallas about a dollar seventy five if you're looking at money line price. Um, yeah, I'm all over Seattle here. I like them plus two. I like them at the money line. Um, if we're going total, um, I'm leaning towards over forty two and a half. Um, it is seems pretty low. Um, yeah, so I'm leaning towards Seattle. I'll uh, explain why in a little bit. Let's see if uh, Daryl and the model agree with me. I'm still trying to get over the fact you think Australia is still going to be in a cricket match on a Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it starts at like 11, I guess. So, <laughs> Yeah, getting what's that, day four? Normally yeah. out of it by then. Yeah, true. Um, we could be gone. Um, so, we, yeah, we leave Seattle as well. Um, I think they're plus two and a half minus 109 at Pinnacle at the moment. So I do wonder if you might get out to plus three. It's probably unlikely, but it's not completely impossible. Um we make it 23-22 Seattle, so kind of leaning towards over, but nothing that's worth a bet of that one at the moment. Yeah, um, I like Seattle for for a few reasons. Um, so this season, only one of Dallas's 10 wins came by more than one score. Um, that was week six against the Jags, which everyone thought were a lot better back then, but in hindsight now we know that they're actually pretty awful. Um, so, you know, Dallas's defense combined with sort of a really stagnant passing game and Jason Garrett, who's very, very conservative, kind of invites close games. So um, I do think that that kind of leaves the door open for Seattle. Um, as a home favorite, um, Jason Garrett with the Cowboys is 16-32-1 against the spread. Um, and then I found this stat interesting as well. Teams that play a home playoff game in the wildcard round after not making the playoffs the season prior are 10-22 and against the spread. Um, plus you add in the factor that Russell Wilson 17, 16 and one against the spread as an underdog in his, in his career and the Seahawks, they're two and O straight up and against the spread in their last two meetings against the Cowboys. They've kind of dominated with Russell Wilson making some really big plays, um, which also kind of alludes back to my first point about inviting close games. If it comes down to big plays at the end of the game, Russell Wilson's kind of the master of that, um, and they kind of play a really hard-nosed defense, Seattle, against Dallas, where they kind of invite Prescott to beat them over the top. Um, yes, Amari Cooper wasn't part of the Cowboys when Se- Seattle pumped them earlier this season, um, so that's going to add an, an, an added element to this game. But uh, this game's also an, a, a primetime night game as well, um, and the Seahawks, they're 5-0 and against the spread in their last five games as an underdog in primetime, and Russell Wilson's 25-6-4, and um, in his uh, sorry, twenty-two five and one straight up in his last twenty-eight primetime games. So he loves he loves playing under the lights and and at night. So um, I do think uh, they definitely have a chance here. My only concern with Seattle is they've allowed the Cardinals and 49ers, who are both awful, 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 awful um, on offense. Um, they've allowed them to score over twenty points in weeks fifteen and seventeen. So that's definitely something to to look at, but I think Seattle on the ground, Chris Carson's been unbelievable. No one really talks, everyone talks about Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott and players like that, but um, the Seahawks are the number one rushing team in the NFL, 160 yards per game, and the Cowboys have been a little bit vulnerable over the last three weeks, allowing nearly five yards per carry and five rushing touchdowns. So um, I'm going to take Seattle, Um, I'm going to take Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, um, you know, shutting down or slowing down Ezekiel Elliott um, to the best of their abilities. Um, and then Russell Wilson coming up trumps. So, yeah, that's that's why I'm leading Seattle. No, it makes sense. And so I think Seattle are an interesting playoff team. Uh, I have memories of watching them. I think I was in vacation. I think I was in Hawaii, actually. And, yeah, there's a massive sort of West Coast contingent from the U.S. that kind of invades Hawaii in yep. January and kind of watches the playoffs over there. Uh, some good atmosphere there for some Seattle games, but I don't mind them in this one. I think they're a decent team. Yeah, and they they spoke last week about um, you know playing against the Cardinals because they had already locked up a spot, but they really wanted to play Seattle, uh, Seattle, Dallas. Um, Did I start? They really wanted to play Dallas in the dome rather than playing Chicago in the elements. So they knew that they could come into Dallas and win. They're not scared of this this matchup at all. They're not they're not worried about it at all. So I do think. Uh, yeah, they're, they're ready and primed. And, and, you know, we've seen worse Seattle teams win playoff games. I remember the 7-9 the and nine Seattle team when everyone wanted to overhaul the playoffs, ended up beating the Saints um, with Marshawn Lynch's uh, the, the Beast Quake uh, run that uh, set off the Richter scale in Seattle because of the crowd noise. So, um, yeah, th- this is a good team. I still think they're an underrated team, um, Seattle. Everyone thinks they kind of overachieved, but... Um, I just think when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson and a coach like Pete Carroll, you've got an advantage against your opponent just about every 
every opponent um, in that in that sense. So uh, let's move on to Sundays, which is Monday's games here. Uh, we've got the LA Chargers traveling to Baltimore. Um, LA stitched up massively here by uh, the NFL scheduling, just just absolutely rooted by them. Ten thirty LA time um, that this game's going to kick off, so the body clock um, is going to be a factor unless they've been there all week. Um, hopefully they have and, and getting adjusted, but you know, uh, West Coast teams traveling east, it's never, never great when they've got that morning spot. So the NFL, come on, take a hard look at yourselves, please. Um, so the Chargers, uh, the line's back out to three now. Baltimore minus three, totals 41 and a half, two and a half some places, but I've seen some threes around. Um, so yeah, it depends on, um, what you want here, if you think the Baltimore, or if you, if you like the Chargers, take the plus three. If you like the Ravens, take the minus two and a half. Um, I'm on the Chargers plus three. I got it straight away when it, when it opened at three. I was hoping to get three and a half, but never, never quite got there. And I like the LA money line as well this week. Um, yeah, I just think that they've got a massive advantage here. They've, they played the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. So they're the first team kind of taking on Lamar Jackson with with now having played him and know what he can do, whereas every other team hasn't. So that's I think that's a massive advantage um for them. Uh but what do you what do you have for us, uh Dara? What is the model like this week? Uh not a lot at all in this one. We have this twenty three twenty Ravens, so it's basically spot on. Um spread wise and a tiny, tiny lean to over. But yeah, not a ton of betting. Um as you say it's kind of plus three solidly with a few like two and a half out there at the moment across the Line, um, what it's worth, the sportsbook review screen is showing 60% of wages on the charges. Yeah. I always question the validity of those numbers. Yeah, I always see that. You know, you see like, oh, your stats about over 70% of the money's on, on this, but, you know, they're only speaking to a certain amount of sports books. You know, people are, every sports book's different. So you'll, you'll know, you, you hear results, you know, William Hill lost X amount in the US based on, because they needed the Rams, but then on the other side, the Chiefs was a win for for another sports book. So I, I feel like yeah. a lot of the percentage anyway on the money doesn't really come till game day anyway. When you get the the big punters and and the pros and the sharps betting, um, so yeah, early on in the week, who, who really knows? But yeah, I think this is the game of the week. Um, I'm really excited to watch it. Um, I think the winner of this game can go on a deep playoff run. Um, I think both teams are really really strong across the board. Uh, yeah, so the Chargers on the road as underdogs. Um, yeah, if you, if you backed them this season on the road as underdogs and faded them at, at home as favorites, you would have been 10 and 4 against the spread. Um, so since 2013, Phillip Rivers is 24 and 11 against the spread as a road underdog. Um, and 10, 4 and 2 in all road games under coach Anthony Lynn. Um, so the Chargers, they're 7 and 1 this season on the road. The Ravens are 3 and 5 against the spread at home. Baltimore's six and one straight up in their last seven playoff games. LA's four and seven straight up in postseason games with Phillip Rivers as their quarterback. Um, the Ravens are also one and six against the spread in their last seven games as favorites and two and six against the spread in their last eight home games versus a team with a winning record. And I touched on that rec- on that, uh, uh, statistic before about, uh, the wildcard teams playing against, uh, teams with a better record. Um, so yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see how this, this goes and how much the, the Chargers uh, use their knowledge about playing against uh, Lamar Jackson. They actually did a great job in stopping him against the run. They only held him to 39 yards, so they did a great job, but then um, Lamar actually passed the ball really well. So whether they uh, try that luck again and just hope that Lamar has an off day passing the football um, and hopefully they have the, the personnel to do that. I think the biggest issue of this game is the Chargers can't protect Phillip Rivers lately, and no no team has a better pass rush than the Ravens. So he was held to just 176 yards and two interceptions against Denver, and he threw a, for 181 yards and two picks against Baltimore the week before that. So um, it's just been a sea of red if you look at uh, PFF grades for the Char- Chargers O-line. So they haven't been great. So hopefully they can turn things around and make a game of this. Um, and, and force some turnovers. Lamar Jackson finished tied for the most fumbles in the NFL with 12, but he only started seven games. So, uh, that's something to note. And then for rookie quarterbacks, one and five straight up and two and four against the spread in playoff games. So all those kind of trends there make me point towards, uh, the Chargers getting revenge after losing to them, um, a week, uh, two weeks, three weeks ago, whenever it was. I think it was week 15. So, uh, yeah, I like the Chargers plus three. Uh, I'm not going to touch the total. Uh, all right. Philly. At Chicago, 
Uh, Big Dick Nick, Nick Foles, he's done it again. He's led the uh, he's led the Eagles to the promised land. Can he do it again? Um, the bookies don't think so. Philly uh, plus six, Chicago six point favorites. The total is forty one. What do you like in this game, Daryl? Um, so over forty one, I think is our annual inspection at the moment. Um, we're leaning to the Eagles plus six. Um, as I mentioned, that's kind of a little bit depending on what happens with the. Um, injury situation there and if we learn anything more about that closer yep. to game time um, we make this 25-20 bears so I think over 41 is a decent bet um, and Eagles plus 6 is yeah, a lean um, I'd like obviously plus 7 but probably won't get it yeah plus 7 would be great maybe if some news came out about Foles ribs a little bit more banged up than we thought but um, yeah whether that makes you want to jump on them at plus 7 <laughs> yeah. uh, it's kind of a yeah double edged sword there um, but yeah, so I like Philly plus six. Um, so yeah, continuing my trend of just backing all the dogs here this week. Um, I just, I just love all the underdogs this week. Um, so, uh, Greg Rosenthal wrote on NFL.com that this is a clash between the league's best defense and the league's most improbable phenomenon, uh, Nick Foles, <laughs> um, which I thought just a great way to sum up this game. And it's just going to basically come down to that. Um, so the Bears have been one of the best sort of bets in the NFL um, since since 2016. They're 16, four and one against the spread in their last 21 home games, and they're seven and zero in their last seven um, games against the spread as home favorites. So um, it is kind of interesting. But the Eagles, as we saw last season, they kind of thrived as the underdog um, and, and used that on route to the Super Bowl. They all had those dog masks and dog shirts and everything. So um, it is interesting to. To note that defending champions in playoffs are four and ten straight up and five and nine against the spread in the following postseason. But Philly, they like playing Chicago. They're nine and four straight up in their last thirteen games against Chicago. And the reason I like the the Eagles this week is I think their front, uh, their O line has been much more improved since week eleven after they got absolutely smashed by the Saints. Um, they've been really really strong and they're going to have to be against this team if they can hold up um, against Khalil Mack and Co. and 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 force. Um, Nick Foles to have some more time and, and, and not as much pressure. I do think the Eagles can can get something going on the ground. And I, I, don't, I don't trust the, the Chicago offense as much. Um, a lot of their uh, input this season, a lot of their great offensive performances were in the first sort of 10 games of the season. Um, they've been a little bit shaky um, in terms of yardage and things like that. They're not playing quite well. Um, and they also don't have a kicker that I trust. 23 of 30 field goals. Um, under 40 yards. So three, sorry, 23 of 30 on field goals and he's missed three under 40 yards. So in a playoff game outdoors where weather is going to be important and, and points are going to be are important, um, it's going to be interesting, especially when the Eagles have the league's best percentage in, uh, an opponent's red zone touchdown scoring percentage. So 44.64%. So they force a lot of their opponents to kick field goals, which doesn't bode well for Chicago who have probably the worst field goal kicker in the entire playoffs. So I do think um, the Eagles can can really tr- trouble the Bears here. I don't think the Bears are an absolute lock. Um, and Trubisky, this is going to be uh, his first playoff game. He's been kind of hit and miss, and uh, they really got to him last season. The Eagles destroyed him last season. Um, he had zero touchdowns, two interceptions, 51% completion percentage. So they kind of know how to play um, Trubisky, although this is a totally different new scheme and new coaching staff, so that will obviously play a role. But... Um, yeah, I like I like the I like the Eagles getting nearly a touchdown, so I'll take Philly plus six. Um, I also this is a weird one, but the the Bears are one of the best first half teams in the NFL, so maybe you could potentially look at the Bears minus two and a half in the first half. That could be an option if you get under a field goal there, um, and then kind of you see if Philly kind of come home strong, um, or you know just get over the edge there and still cover. Um, but yeah, I do think the Bears are something to look at there. Yeah, I don't. Sorry, I don't mind the Bears. I don't mind to be fair. Most of the underdogs this week. Uh, I don't. I'd be interested to know. Do you know if there's what the trends are in wild card rounds for underdog versus favorites? Yeah, I was trying to find a lot of a lot of statistics on that, and I couldn't qu- couldn't quite find any. I'm sure someone will post some, um, you know, across the board. But they did go four and zero mm. against the spread last season. So recently, it, but that's only a tiny sample size, obviously. But um, I just, I don't know. I generally think a lot of these games are always close. Defenses are better. You know, you just have, I just think you have better chance, you know, just betting the money line of the underdogs. I mean, if two, and you need sort of two to get up out of the four, um, given the prices of some of these, especially if it's Philly and LA, 
um, then you're yeah. kind of you're kind of in front if you if you're all betting the same units across the board. So um, yeah, I don't know. It just depends on the matchup. There's been uh, there's been years where all the favorites have just rolled every time, but um, these are some of the strongest sort of wild card teams seen in a while. Um, Seattle and Philly and, and the Colts and Chargers are kind of teams that you know can can beat anyone on their day. So that's kind of why I've just leaned that way. And um, yeah, I just I don't want to go against Nick Foles. The guys just. As it said, the most improbable phenomenon of all uh, of the NFL. He just seems to be one of those guys. Um, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna quickly touch on a game that's not NFL related, and then we'll get to some DFS in a, in a second. Um, but given that it is next Tuesday, um, we should touch on it. Clemson Alabama national title game in the college football. Uh, Clemson two eighty five, Alabama dollar forty seven, Alabama minus five and a half total. Is fifty nine and a half. Uh, my trend continues in taking underdogs. I'm taking Clemson plus five and a half. I'm taking Clemson in the money line, and I'm taking under fifty nine and a half. Um, I don't think the gap between Alabama and Clemson's that big. I feel like it's just been a little bit overrated. Alabama. Um, this is going to be easily the toughest defenses defense they faced all season. Um, we saw it when they finally played a proper defense against Georgia. They struggled for a little bit. Yes, they came home and won that game. Um, but Clemson, I think, um, just have a little bit more firepower on both sides of the ball. My only concern is Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback for Clemson. He is kind of a, a young guy. This is his biggest game of his career, whether he can handle the pressure and if they, if they get down, whether he can keep his composure. Um, if they do and he doesn't, it could just snowball out of control and Alabama cover. But I think Clemson are a, a close to as, an even side as, as Alabama. I feel like... No one's kind of talked about Clemson a lot this season. They kind of just flown a little, despite being great, flown under the radar a little bit because teams like Oklahoma have been flashy and, and things like that. But Clemson have been a really great defense, and um, yeah, I think Clemson can can win this game. Yeah, I mean, I think Bama are kind of priced on their historic dominance to some extent, which yeah. I think does create a bit of value on Clemson. Um, we make this Bama by three, so we've got thirty-two twenty-nine. Um, on Sesson Cider. And it opened, you could get plus seven, minus 120 on Clemson. Um, I didn't get it, unfortunately, but <laughs> I'd have been very interested at that price. Um, at the current kind of five, five and a half, it's more of a lean than it is a bet. Um, but you may well see some late money that moves that back towards Bama, which makes Clemson fall over into betting territory, um, yeah. both on kind of the money line and the side. Yep, definitely uh, agree there. I took Clemson... Probably six weeks ago, I think at like seven or eight dollars to win to win the title. I just didn't see any of these yeah. contenders emerging beating Clemson, like, such as Notre Dame. Um, I think sorry, it was when they announced Oklahoma were in the uh, final. I think I got six dollars. I think was I just couldn't see Notre Dame or Oklahoma beating Clemson, so um, mm. I just took them then at that point. Um, so you know, S and P Plus is a is a metric that uh, Football Outsiders and SB Nation use for college. Um, defense, Clemson ranked first um, across the board, Alabama 12th. Um, offense, Clemson a fifth, and uh, Alabama uh, first. And then if you're looking at special teams, um, both teams are really bad, um, 93rd and 99th in special teams. So um, when you look at those, you know, Clemson kind of stack up pretty well. Number one defense in the entire country um, against, you know, and then the gap between them is not that much in offense either. So um, it's definitely something to watch. I'm keen to watch this game. It's going to be a fun game. Um, so I do think it'll be a bit of a little, little bit of a defensive showdown at first. It could open up a little bit, but 60 points is a lot. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll take the under. Um, any final thoughts on Wild Card Weekend and the national championship before we move to some DFS? No, I was just looking to see where they were playing the national championship. I think it's in uh, Santa Clara, San Francisco. Yeah. Yep. So kind of no home field advantage for anyone in that. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, yeah, not even like both teams kind of just traveling uh, the opposite direction as well across the country. So, yeah, no real... And both kind of fan bases travel pretty well as well, I think. So. Yeah, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be nuts. Dabo Swinney and... and uh, uh, oh, man, I just completely went... And uh, Nick Saban, um, both two of the great sort of characters as well in terms of coaches as well. So... Uh, Always expect a little bit of fire from both of them in that game. So, uh, yeah, it should, should be a fun game. Um, it's My good. Google search for the venue has thrown up that apparently Clemson's star defensive tackle 
won't be available to play. Failed an NCAA drug test. Oh, there we go. Um, which which player is that? Did they say? Because they have a lot Dexter, of stars. Dexter Lawrence, is it? Dexter Lawrence and also Braden Galloway and Zach Yeller will not be available to play. Okay. That's all right. Trevor Lawrence is playing. The the better Lawrence, the quarterback. Um, so, yeah, he's playing. So, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Um, be interesting to see what effect that has on the line movement. Cause I think yeah. that's just come out. Clemson are absolutely stacked across the board on defense. So, a uh, defensive line, they've got sort of a lot of potential draft picks as well there. So, uh, it, uh, hopefully not too big a loss. Um, so do Alabama as well. They just, yeah, Alabama just littered with NFL talent. So yeah, it's tough to, it's tough to beat them, but Clemson have done it. Deshaun Watson did it. Um, but unfortunately Deshaun Watson's going to have a loss, uh, on Sunday. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe Clemson can turn the tide and avenge, uh, his defeat by the Colts. But, uh, let's, uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back with some, uh, DFS. There are touchdowns and then there are. Experience a true touchdown with a Stats Insider premium subscription. That's NFL predictions and value plays for every game, giving you the ultimate edge against the bookies. Touchdown in every way possible this season. Head to statsinsider.com.au and start your free trial today. Gamble responsibly. All right, DFS time. We're just going to chat um, the four wildcard games and just talk about um, a couple of plays that uh, the uh, fantasy lineup cruncher um, has thrown out, and I've also just got a sort of a play, a, a player I like in each game the most, um, but obviously I'll be mixing it up quite a bit. Um, but Daryl, let's start with the first game, Colts-Texans. Uh, what do you like? What has the cruncher thrown up for us? So just kind of looking at some kind of key value plays, um, Hines at running back, um, DeAndre Hopkins wide receiver, and it's not a super value play, but um, yeah. for a dollar per point basis, he's not doing too badly this week, and um, Deshaun Watson, obviously, so you've got that kind of Watson-Hopkins stack, which kind of fits well with our lean towards Houston um, from a modeling perspective. Yep. Um, yeah, I think there are kind of three key targets in that game um, that kind of you could consider either in a single game or a multi-game slate. Yeah, um, and this game's got a seven-point higher total than all the rest, basically, even though we do like the under, um, but still it's going to be the high, the expected high-scoring game of the round, so def- definitely something to monitor in terms of setting your lineups in that regard. I, I like Hopkins as well. Um, I think he's just unstoppable. He's had zero drops this season, um, I saw the other day, which is crazy. Uh, I like T.Y. Hilton. He's been banged up a mu- all the um, for the last month, but somehow leads the league in, in receiving yards across the board, despite being injured and ha- not practicing at all. Um, so that's kind of special in its own right. Um, but uh, yeah, this is... T.Y. Hilton's career on the road versus the Texans in what now I call Hilton Stadium because he owns that stadium. Um, so in 2012, 378 1, 2013, 7 121 and 3, 2014, 9 catches, 223 yards, a touchdown, 2015, 5 for 88, 2016, 3 for 49, 2017, 5 for 175 and 2 touchdowns, and then this year, 9 for 199. That's an average of 6 catches, 133 yards in a touchdown against the Texans. Um, that's just the average um, for T.Y. Hilton. Um, so, I mean, when you consider his floor, probably is like 3 for 49. That's his worst game back in 2016. Um, I like him this week. Um, he'll be a little bit cheaper than DeAndre Hopkins. Um, but I definitely think both could be in your lineup if you if you get cheap uh, options at running back. Yeah, I think, so I think there's a few reasonable, reasonably priced options around this week. So um, I think you can afford a few other star players. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on. Seattle at Dallas. As we said, total 42.5, Dallas two-point favorites. Um, I mentioned that I really like the, the combo of KJ Wright and uh, Bobby Wagner um, going up against uh, Ezekiel Elliott. That's not going to change my uh, DFS plays because I just, in terms of pure volume, Zeke's going to get his. Um, and I also, I don't mind Chris Carson as well. I weighed up both of these guys, but um, both are going against kind of good linebacker tandems, Jalen Smith and, and Leighton Van Der Esch for the Cowboys as well. But uh, there's not been a game this season where Zeke uh, was active and had less than 15 carries or 17 touches. And then over the final nine games of the season, the Seahawks, they've allowed a top 12 running back performance in seven of them. Uh, and they've allowed a massive 5.13 yards per carry over those nine games. And they've also allowed 552 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns to running backs in those games. So um, maybe Zeke might not get it done in the ga- in on the ground as as efficiently going up against KJ Wright and Wagner. Wright's been out for for some time, so him being back is quite big for 
for Seattle, but uh, I do think he'll catch some passes and and uh, and get some uh, receiving yards as well. So I like Zeke this week. I think he's going to be in probably all of my lineups. Yeah, I mean those two you just mentioned are my two plays in this one, Carson and Elliot. Um, yep, I've played up a little bit whether it's worth playing both of them. Um, traditionally, like you wouldn't normally play two opposing running backs in a full slate kind of sixteen game slate week. Yep. Um, I'm a player of the game. Get kind of game narratives like that if one team is ahead, then they're kind of probably going to be running a bit more, but the other team is probably going to be throwing to try and catch up and yep. so on and so forth. Um, it may be a bit more viable in a four um, game slate or a two game slate if you're playing a single day contest. So yep. I wouldn't necessarily oppose playing both of them, and I think they both present decent value. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially the whole weekend. I think if you're just doing the the Sunday games, you'll see a lot of lineups that have Chris Carson and, and, and Zeke. But I guess when you yeah. factor in the entire slate, then you, you might see a little bit more of a mix-up there. And it could be a real pod, um, given that it's kind yeah. of an unconventional uh, lineup for, for a DFS play. But yeah, I do like Carson. Um, he, as I said in my preview, he's kind of one of the best running backs in the NFL that no one seems to talk about. So a uh, very underrated player. Uh, LA, Baltimore. Um, I really struggled at this one. Um, as we said, Baltimore three point favorites. Horrible DFS game. Terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> Totals forty one and a half. Um, I mentioned Hunter Henry just because he could potentially be back in this game, which is insane. He he did his ACL in May and he's back in the same season. That's unheard of. Um, the technology surrounding injuries and ACLs is just um absolutely phenomenal here. Um, so if he does play, he could be on a pitch count. Uh, but he could be the kind of the major difference maker um, from the matchup three weeks ago. So he could be the real, you know, difference. You know, the Chargers didn't have him in their last matchup. And the Ravens, they're stout against wide receivers on the outside, um, especially in fantasy. They, they're 28th in the NFL in um, fantasy points allowed. So I guess that would mean that they're in the top four in terms of being the most stingiest. Um, and then but against the tight end, they're only, they rank 19th in fantasy points allowed. And they're also 22nd in DVOA against tight ends. So that's kind of the one one sort of weakness in that that uh, Baltimore uh, sort of strong defense there is, is the tight end position. And um, if Hunter Henry doesn't play, I don't know whether I have confidence in any of the other uh, Chargers tight ends to play them. So I might have to go looking elsewhere. But it's hard to pick a Chargers wide receiver given how good Baltimore's secondary is. Yeah, I mean, this is a bit of a weird one because we've got kind of averagey projections for most of the players in this game, but they're both teams are um, priced pretty high, um, particularly at draft stars. So from a value perspective, there's really not a lot I could justify playing. Um, yep. Lamar Jackson as kind of a quarterback is potentially viable. Um, Sneed is a cheap wide receiver who you might kind of get a sneaky kind of weird stack in if you were playing in a bigger contest in the US, for example. But I was probably one I'd stay away from. Uh, if I'm playing Monday slate, I'm probably going to be fairly heavy on the Philly Chicago game. Yeah, I think that's probably the better way. Better way to go. There's far more options, um, you know, in that in that one. Uh, I'm trying to think back to the Ravens Chargers game a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Mark Andrews for the uh, the Ravens had a massive game against the Chargers. That could be someone to look at um, as well. I'm just trying to work out how many he went for, but he had a looks like he had a monster game. So that could be a way. You know, Lamar had a, a good passing day. He threw over 200 yards. Yeah, it was Mark Andrews. He only had two catches, but 83 yards and a touchdown. So maybe the tight end position for the Ravens could be something to look at because Hayden Hurst also went for one for 18. Um, and Nick Boyle had two catches for 15 yards. So they do have a lot of tight ends, so it could be a bit of a lottery, but if you pick the right one, it could be a massive kind of difference maker, especially in the two-day, uh, the sorry, the two-game slate there with the Philly-Chicago game. Um, but you mentioned that. Let's move on. Um, so Chicago are the biggest favorites of the week, six-point favorites, totals 41.5. Uh, Daryl, what's, uh, what's the cruncher like from this game? Um, so there's a few viable options here. So Trey Burton at tight end, I think, has been potential. Uh, but Taylor Daniel is a cheapish wide receiver, um, who I think you could potentially put in a few lineups if you're kind of going star-studded elsewhere. Um, and Jordan Howard, I think, is a viable play uh, running back. Um, obviously, fits the game narrative fairly well. Uh, do you mean Taylor Gabriel? Or uh, That could be what I mean. You might have looked at Chase Daniel. <laughs> he used to play quarterback <laughs> for the Bears. I remember we played him a couple of weeks ago. Vic. Um, 
because I looked. Let up, me check. Yeah, I looked up Taylor Daniel and I was like, oh, who is that? But no, it doesn't come up with anybody. So I think I think it is Taylor Gabriel, which would make sense because yeah, Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, because yeah, it's all right. Um, yeah, it's all right. I mean, Chase Daniel. If Chase Daniel catches a pass as a wide receiver for a touchdown, you know, so <laughs> Matt Nagy could get creative. But yeah, Anthony Miller is injured. Um, Alan Robinson's questionable as well. Um, so Taylor Gabriel could be a real a real big big difference maker in that game. Um, I kind of think it's going to be between him or my option here, Tariq Cohen. Um, that might take a lot of um, a lot of catches here in this Bears offense. So um, Philly, they've allowed the most receptions to running backs this year and the six most points through the air to them. Um, there's been four separate occasions where the Eagles have allowed opposing running backs to record at least 10 receptions and at least 75 yards through the air alone. Um, and as I said, with Alan Robbins less than 100% and, and Anthony Miller highly questionable, we could see Cohen um, have a big role in the passing game after kind of being quiet the last few weeks. So a little people might, a lot of people might be down on him. Um, so that that could bode well for your lineup. So I think Tariq Cohen um, is definitely there. But I also like Taylor Gabriel as well. Um, I think uh, both will be in, in a few different lineups um, for me this week in terms of the Bears' yeah. perspective. Yeah, and if you're playing draft stars, um, I mean, a you could play both, but um, Taylor Gabriel's five thousand eight eighty, um, yeah. and Tariq I think is fifteen thousand. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why, from a value perspective, the clunchers throwing up Gabriel, but I don't mind Cohen either in yeah. this spot. Yeah, definitely. I, I prefer Cohen at sort of Moneyball and DraftKings, but yeah, um, I hadn't checked draft stars. I didn't realize Taylor Gabriel was that cheap. Um, I had a list of players written down to look at their prices haven't got around to it but yeah gabriel was on my uh, watch list so now that i know he's that price um <laughs> yeah, chips in on uh on the taylor gabriel um he's had some big playoff yeah. games of four for the falcons um a couple of years ago so uh yeah he knows what it's all about so uh yeah he's a kind of a big big game player low-key big game player for uh gabriel there um any final thoughts on on the week from a dfs perspective no, I haven't put in teams myself yet, so I'm going to be interested to see what kind of slates are offered. Um, the single games I've been trying to avoid this year largely because they're just, um, they turn into a bit of a lottery where you've kind of got all but one player the same or you end up with 15 way ties for first place. Yeah. Um, not fun. So hoping, yeah, hoping there's a bit of money around in kind of multi game slates, but we'll see what pops up. Yeah, hopefully there is, like, you have the, you, obviously you'll have the entire round, but I would like uh, a couple of sort of just day-by-day ones with the two games. I think two games is a great little sample size um, to, to mix together. So, um, And I'm keen to play a little bit of uh, college uh, football uh, on DraftKings, the, the DFS for the national championship game. I know single-game slates are never really fun, but with uh, college there's a little bit more variance, a bit more players and, and whatnot. So, uh that always DraftKings have a slightly different format, right, for their single game slates this year. Yeah, so they make their prices like yeah, it's a bit different. Like Moneyball, like you can just put all the top rated players at every position. Um, so DraftKings is a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit more difficult. So it's a bit, bit more fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, um, um, any, any. Uh... Lots of money around for Big Bash as well. We should mention. I was about Lots to say Fifteen thousand tournaments each day. Um, draft stars are doing their. Um, biggest bash tournament, um, which ends up with a um, grand live grand final at the Crown um, around the big bash finals. So there's lots of um, lots of entries going into that, and yeah, we're covering um, big bash pretty extensively on Fantasy Insider with articles each day and the Cruncher um, updated daily as well. Yeah, how have the results been so far? That was going to be my next question: is how big bash is faring this season? Um, from the Fantasy Insider perspective, I think it's been doing pretty well. Um, I think. One day, our third place lineup would have won the tournament by some 50 something points. Um, if you've been playing the top five or 10 lineups on Fancy Insider each day, I think you'd be, um, well in profit. There's an awful lot of cash money kind of lineups in there. Yep. Um, but yeah, some, some really good results. Um, the Crunch kind of updates most kind of in the morning, usually of the day of the game. Um, we don't necessarily always do sort of late lineup changes, but so kind of leave that one to the user to kind of plug in. Um, it's the big bash squads don't tend to, haven't been super predictable. They've named squads and then they've named players outside the squad. So then they've named a 13 man team and named somebody they didn't pick in the actual 13 man squad. So yeah. it's been good fun. Australian, um, Australian yeah. sports always do that. They just can never give you the required information. There always has to be a little bit of uncertainty, um, about the lineups, um, yeah. throughout any sport. 
<laughs> and you have to go scouting on Twitter to find out who's actually playing. Yeah, exactly. It's not fun. You'll but... find both teams have managed to claim that they're batting, um, have won the toss and batting, which is quite an achievement. Yeah. I always <laughs> just check Betfair. That generally tells me who won the toss. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that sounds good. And, and Stats Insider as well is, is doing Big Bash and, and basketball and NFL, obviously, as we've just talked about. So there's plenty yeah. on there. And then it will be AFL and NRL seasons in no time. So it's just kind of no rest for the wicked, Daryl. No, it's ongoing. We've got um, tennis launching in the next kind of five, ten days. So that will be up before the Australian Open. Yep. Um, kind of, yeah, full coverage of the Australian Open and um, daily predictions for tennis. Yep. Um, we've also got soccer up there. So there's been a couple of decent-sized winners um, in the Premier League predictions recently. Yeah, we had Wolves over Tottenham, uh, for example, a couple of weeks ago, which I think was big odds. I backed that. Um, you did? Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I also have a colleague of mine that uh, has talked up the Wolves before the season even started and said that they're um, going to be a team that's going to worry a lot of people, force a few um, ugly losses and, and a couple of draws that they won't want in, you know, at home and things like that. And that's kind of what's happened. Um, I think they're sitting like seventh or something now, the Wolves. So yep. yeah, so that. And then when I saw the cruncher, uh, the the SI liked it. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a go. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm a Spurs fan, so I have mixed feelings about that one. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's been so. Yeah, it's some good results. Lots of sports ongoing, and yeah, we've got as you say, we've got tennis coming up, and then it'll be an AFLW, which we did really well on last year. Um, NRL and AFL season. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, that sounds great. Um, you can follow uh, Daryl on Twitter at DP Woodford and Stats Insider on Twitter at Stats Insider, and you can head to just just Google Stats Insider, um, and it'll come up, or you can just follow the show. And follow them on Twitter and you get all the links to all that and just sign up and, and enjoy all the benefits that brings you. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. Enjoy Wildcard Weekend. Happy New Year and we'll be back next week to talk Divisional Round.